welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 55. Hey guys and girls, welcome to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Nasty K-Cup Coffee. So whenever your morning's not going well, just go ahead and pop in one of those K-Cups and take a sip of that bitter uh, stuff. Man, I, I need to get a, 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 a pour over or a drip you know, kind of maker here for my office. But anyway, I hope that you guys are having a great week and things are going well for you and your life. Um, I will keep this short today. I'll just let you know there's a new video up on my YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Shedding Light Outdoors. And it, this is of my uh, doe hunt back in October 6th. It was the fourth hunt of the season. It's a short video, like three minutes. Uh, it was raining that day, and it's kind of a chill video. I hope that you guys enjoy it. If you do, leave a comment, subscribe on there. I'd really appreciate that. You can also find it on our Facebook page. And that's about it. That's all that we got going on this week. Not a lot happening. Uh, I will say thank you so much uh, to all the listeners out there. I know we've picked up some new folks. And if you haven't left a review let yet or followed or uh, done a, a you know a five-star rating, man, I really appreciate that whenever you do that. I do look at that from time to time, and it just helps more people kind of learn about what's going on. They uh, see the ratings. They're like, hey, that seems like a decent podcast. So that's the goal. Try and get more folks to listen, get more stories. And if you have one of those, uh, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. That's the end of the plug. Today's guest is Ethan Brown. Ethan is a guy I found on Instagram, like many of the guests that I just kind of troll around for looking. And what's interesting about Ethan is that he did not begin deer hunting this year until January the 1st. And in the month of January, uh, New Year, two deer, he gets two bucks down. And a great storyteller uh, from South Alabama. Think that you're going to enjoy this one. No reason to keep on waiting. Here we go with Ethan Brown. Ethan Brown, man. Hey there. How are you? Oh, doing pretty good. Just uh, enjoying the morning. How about you? Doing good. Doing good. No complaints. Yeah. How's uh, how's things in South Alabama? Things are good right now. They are ridiculously warm. That's uh, typical down here. At times, we go from let's see, two weeks ago, I think it was. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, two weeks ago, we had some days where we had highs in the lower 40s, and the lows were in the lower 20s, which is pretty pretty cold for here. And yeah. now, today, we are looking at 75 degrees. <laughs> so it sounds it sounds like Ohio a little bit. Maybe not as uh, extreme. I don't know. We had snow last week, and then like two days later, it was in, yeah, yesterday, it was in the 60s. Yeah. So I, I took my kids out for like a little shed hunt yesterday, and we were in short sleeves. It was awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, we've always said, if you don't like the weather here, just wait 15 minutes. Yep. Yep, well, that's great, yeah, man. Change. So, uh, what do you do in South Alabama? Tell us a little bit about your life and some of the things that you got going on. Well, I'm uh, from small town, Highland Home, Alabama, just about 40 minutes south of Montgomery. And uh, I currently live in Goshen, which is about 15 minutes outside of Troy. I currently work in Troy and uh, I build cabinets for a living. I do commercial uh, for a company that I work for, a commercial construction company, I run their cabinet shop, and I have my own business where I just do custom residential. So I make sawdust for a living. Ah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. You can't beat that. No, no. 
Yeah, my wife actually just asked me for her birthday to try and build a cabinet, and I think for a moment she has forgotten who she married because that is not in my <laughs> that's not in my bag of tricks. <laughs> yes, my wife definitely knows she has, and I, she keeps me a to do list between stuff oh. for her or our two kids. Yes. Well, if you don't yes. have anything going on, she wants some sort of coffee hutch. So if you got a free, you know, between now and gotcha. May, if you want to build me a coffee hutch, I'll swing down and pick it up. Alrighty, <laughs> <laughs> alrighty. <laughs> That's cool, man. So, married man. Uh, any kids? Yes, I've got two kids. I've got a little girl who is two and a little boy who is about to be four months. Oh, my goodness. That'll, that'll, that'll keep you busy. Yes, very much. So, very fun. So, that uh, that's my, my season didn't really start. The, my first hunt was January 1st. And it just so happened that was the day that I shot my first buck. And our season, our bow season opener is October 15th. Well, my son was born October 10th. So between just helping out with the kids and then my work schedule, there has been very, very little time in the woods. And uh, it just so happened that on New Year's Eve, um, I had the day off on new year's day and my wife was like well if you want to get up and go you know just go well needless to say i didn't question her i was like you got it (laughs) (laughs) so uh we've got um we've we've owned now for about a year we bought 30 acres that we're planning on building a house we're getting started on that now and uh i got i've got two stands set up out there that i haven't really invested any great amount of time in and really i was just it was one of those things where i'm just looking forward to going and being in outside just being in the woods and uh at eight o'clock i had a what i would consider a pretty decent 10 point walked out had some funky brow tines and i'm a sucker Hmm. for it so i put an arrow in him that was it (laughs) just like that yes it was just like that i had uh really i had let's try to remember how cold it. it wasn't it wasn't ridiculously cold it was uh i want to say it was warmer whenever i walked to the stand than it was whenever i shot the buck there was a i think a front was moving in and the weather as fast as the weather changes down here i uh i can remember sweating like climbing up <laughs> into the stand thinking man i'm overdressed and yeah. uh i actually had three different deer blow at me and I'm thinking, well, this is over, you know. At this, are point, you in I'm, a ladder stand or hang on? Uh, yeah, just a hang on. A hang so, on, stand there, okay. Yep. Yeah, so I'm like, you know, twenty, twenty five feet up, and uh, getting in, I blew one out of the little. I, I don't even know if I would call it a plot. I, uh, I've got a, I've got a backhoe at the property that I've been doing some work with. Well, I went back one afternoon and I scraped out a spot that's probably, I mean, really a few hundred maybe a few hundred square feet. This spot may be like an eighth of an acre. I mean, it's not big at all, but I found a bag of food plot mix in my laundry room. And I'm like, well, I can't let this go to waste. So, (laughs) (laughs) so anyway, threw it out and that's what I was sitting over. So anyway, when I walked up, I blew a, I blew something out of the plot getting in. So that was the first one. And then there was two others that came and walked behind me downwind of me and they blew. And, uh, I was like, well, you know, whatever. At this point, if I, I was looking for meat primarily anyway, so whatever walked out, you know, the saying, if it was brown, it was down, and I was just, you know, wanting to stick something and let that be it. Well, 
I don't know how or I, more well, more than likely with thermals. As the sun came up and the thermal started to rise, um, my scent started getting carried up and away more. Well, this this buck came out and walked across the road, walked across my steps, and came out and just I mean made a beeline right down the road to the plot, and as soon as I could see. I, I could see deer, and then as soon as I could actually see through some of the, the brush that's separating me from the road that he walked in on, I could see he was outside the ears, and I just saw some trash on his head. So as soon as he stepped behind a pine tree, I pulled back, and just as I hit the release, he looked at me. And it was like if, if you could see you know, the little bubble annotations, he was, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh man, it's cool. He's got like a real cool split brow. I'm looking on your uh, Instagram here. If anybody else wants to look, Ethan underscore Brown underscore. Uh, and this is not you've you've got. We'll get to your other buck this year. But I mean, looking at this guy, he's Rick got. He's got a lot of character. He's a cool he deer. Does. For sure. And ones like that, I would. Uh, I guess if there was two standing there side by side, I'll pick the ones that's not just the the perfect symmetrical rack or the perfect typical rack. Yeah. Any day. I like the character. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's cool. So let's let's back up before we get to your next year because your next year is a little bit bigger, and I want to hear how all that went down. But um, so, how did you get started? I mean, I always ask guests this, and uh, I'm always interested. Um, how did you get started into hunting? How has this become a passion of yours? Uh, my my first hunt was Thanksgiving Day of ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. And I uh, went with my dad. My dad had uh, had loved to hunt. And uh, growing up, though, I didn't, well, like I said, I didn't really start until I was, let's see, that would put me at 10, 9 or 10 years old at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really, I guess just a, a little bit more of a personal background, you know, my, we didn't, my dad worked and, uh, there just wasn't a whole lot of wasn't a whole lot of time to hunt other than whenever we did have free time just some of my best memories are before we started hunting was just being in the woods with him and uh not necessarily hunting but anyway as far as hunting goes um he took me on my first my first sit i uh i shot a doe very first hunting from then i was i was hooked and funny (laughs) thing with with that is he and i are both sitting in a uh just a box stand. It's up off the ground. I don't know. We're probably up, I don't know, 15 feet or so off the ground. Well, we're out in this plot. This is a, a friend of his spot, and we're sitting there, and this deer walks out, and the first one I made contact with was a doe at 250 yards. I shot, and it dropped. Now, beginner's luck, whatever. Whatever you want to call it. <laughs> anyway, I shot, and it didn't go anywhere. And, um, I shot it with a, a rifle my grandfather had had got me as a uh, a 25 a Browning 25 all six and I you know as I got older I realized just how solid of a deer rifle that actually is but um anyway that same hunt uh, those same deer ended up coming back and they were walked out at about 50 yards so my dad shoots and his runs off and we don't find it till the next day. <laughs> but anyway, that, did you rub uh, that in? Did you rub that in a little bit? Oh, well, oh I, I definitely rubbed it in more as I got older. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, that was really what, what started it for me. And then 
from that on, some of my best memories are dad and I in a box stand mm-hmm. hunting. So, yeah, all those are fun memories to look back Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's good. Well, uh, Ethan, as you, you grow as a hunter, as you kind of go through, uh, getting more and more experience, any of those stories along the way just kind of stand out to you? Like this was a moment where you really felt like, Hey, I'm starting to figure this out a little bit. Really? It's, I didn't realize how, and I don't, I don't want to say bad because I'm not one. All that I do now is bow hunt. And that's just because I absolutely love it. Nothing against anything with a rifle, but for me personally, I didn't realize how, and I don't like to use the word bad. I guess you could say I didn't realize how much I or how little I didn't know about deer and deer hunting. Yeah. Until I started archery hunting and I'm closing that distance gap. You know, you go from sitting in a field where, okay, I can see 300 yards away and I've got, you know, a tree line in a ag field that's, you know, 900 yards long that I could watch in some of these big ag fields down here but then whenever you go to closing that distance and you're hunting a pinch point you know between two fields and you're within spitting distance of these deer it completely changes the dynamic and uh for me really i I started uh i started really heavily bow hunting now let's see four four five let's see what is it 2020 now so yeah five (laughs) years ago and um that was whenever for me it was just like a steep learning curve and it's all been good i mean been really good and that's not necessarily a particular hunt but i can remember some of my first hunts and and me thinking well my gosh what is you know what happened and then it's like oh when i'm this close i do have to pay attention to wind direction you know what thermals actually are important you know just little stuff like that so yeah that was that was really the i guess you'd say the most educational point for me as far as my call it hunting career so far yeah i i would i would relate to that and i mean and there is absolutely you and i would both say there's nothing wrong if you enjoy gun hunting and all that i mean there's definitely absolutely and there is a lot of skill that goes into that and i think there are probably a lot of gun hunters that do know how to scout really well and they know a lot of those things Uh, i just know from my personal experience i mean i was doing deer drives so for Mm -hmm. me it was just there was a guy calling the shots. He would say, Hey, go sit up on that hill or someplace in that 50 yards. And my entire setup was just basically based off of terrain. And I had like 50 yards to work with. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if a deer came down through there, uh, it was all a matter of, can I make him, you know, can I shoot him while he's on the run or at least get him to stop? And that, that was basically the extent. So not a lot of, not a ton of skill involved in at least that particular style. And so, Mm -hmm. Whenever I started bow hunting, man, it was quite the learning curve. A lot of stuff that you had to pick up on and like, okay, how do I get closer to where they're at? And, um, yeah, yes. that's, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, that's definitely helped me learn a little bit more about woodsmanship might be the word. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, good. So five years you've been at this. Um, what was, uh, what was your experience, you know, five years ago, 2015, 2016, in that season? Uh, were you able to get it done early on, or did it take you a couple years? Well, I actually, my the my first hunt with a bow, I managed to shoot a doe. And granted, my my father-in-law is a, is a farmer, and he has, he's got, got a pretty good bit of, of land that 
we've, there's several places that could be hunted. And I, uh, I just had a little, there's a one particular field that he told me that I could hunt in. And there was a large, was a large oak tree. And up in that oak, I've actually built a small platform there right in the, the crotch of two large limbs. And this is right on the edge of, at this particular year was a cornfield. So I had, it ain't like I needed the, the, you know, baiting is legal now this season in Alabama, but, but then it was just a matter of, well, I'm using these ag fields to my advantage. And then just, that was my thoughts anyway. Well, I, uh, just that the first hunt, I can remember there was, I want to say four or five does that had come out and I am, let's see, this is, well, I want to say early season. I'm trying to remember the time of year. It may have been, it was October. Yeah, it was the end of October. And uh, I can remember that there being uh, four or five does that walked out and they were immediately on alert, started stomping. And then three of the largest ones, they ran off and were blowing. Well, two of the younger ones were still there. They ended up leaving, coming back and just being on just, just super super skeptical of where they were at and um they finally started working their way on around and then the first shot opportunity i had i took it so but from then it was just me kind of like well what was going on you know what was the deal there and then me actually taking the time then to stop and like well you know what the wind was pretty much blowing in their direction so (laughs) you know and uh but from there it compounding to me taking, you know, scent control to as far, you know, as far of a degree as reasonable for me to do. Um, just trying to be as scent free as possible, paying attention to, you know, where I'm at the time of day, bearing thermals in mind. Also knowing that, you know, the terrain that I'm hunting just because I've got, you know, a wind, you know, the most common wind, obviously, you know, north coming out of the north, northwest, northeast, whatever just because that may be the forecasted wind direction and it may be blowing in that direction. But if I'm hunting some of these areas that are more, have got, you know, more hills or whatnot, that doesn't necessarily mean that's the direction I'm going to have. And just really trial and error learning. And then there was several, several hunts where I just get blew out. <laughs> you know, they come <laughs> in and, you know, blowing and stomping, but, um, oh, it's man. all been, all been very good. I feel like, you know, that's anybody who starts out, that's just to be expected. Yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of deer blowing and you wondering how in the world is that deer smelling me right now? And I think that's where yes. you talked about thermals earlier. I mean, I, yes. I didn't really understand. I'm still don't know that I necessarily 100% grasp, uh, up until a few years ago. And I've been bow hunting for, you know, about 10 years now, almost mm-hmm. 11. And mm-hmm. thermals are a major part of the game. If you've got hill, any sort of hills involved, you know, that yes. in the morning, the evening, what's going on with that definitely plays a, a part, you know? Absolutely. And with, I don't, and again, I've never, I've never hunted out of state, never, you know, traveled, or I've never hunted anywhere that has that different of a, I guess you say a climate than what we have here in South Alabama. But here the temperature can change so drastically from like the lows at night to the highs during the day. Like here at this time of year, we can go from having lows in the lower thirties. So, you know, we dip just below freezing at night and early in the morning and we get up into the middle seventies in the day. So you're Mm. talking a pretty steep, 
you know, it's, it's, it's the temperature is rising really fast. So, you know, if you've got, whether it's dust or milkweed or whatever, it's ridiculous how you can see whenever you're checking wind, it, how fast this stuff, you can actually see it rise. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, uh, I want to ask about your first buck that you got. So you started hunting, you get your doe with your, with your bow there. Uh, how did the first buck come along? Um, I was actually, let's see. It was a, it was right at last light. All that I could see was antler and I knew that it had at least four points on one side and I'm like, well, this is going down. I could see him through some brush <laughs> and I was actually across the river. Right, um, The Conecker River comes right through Goshen where I live now and I actually took a boat and went across the river and there's around... I don't know how many acres that my in-laws own or have over there. But I went over there, and there had been nobody that hunted over there, from my understanding, in, you know, 10 years. Like, it's just untouched. And over there is where the deer will bed down, and they would come across the river and come out into these ag fields and eat. Well, I was um kind of in a, not necessarily a, a pinch point, but I was sort of out on like a, a peninsula, if you will, of dry land on the other side of the river. And it was right there in the rut, and I had some uh, some does that come in, and they kept you know, looking back, looking back. Their tails were up and flickering, you know, the white flag there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could, right at dark, just see through my binoculars that there was a buck coming through with antler and ended up, there's a, a younger, two-and-a-half-year-old, eight-point, and, eight point, and uh, shot him. And he went maybe, maybe, I don't know, 40 yards. And uh, it would have been, I was just as, it could have been a 180-inch just bruiser. And I'd have been fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, how, far, was, how far was he when you shot? Oh, he was 16, 17 yards. Oh, okay. Nice shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He came out right around, a, right behind a, a, a bush, pretty much. As soon as he stepped out, I put it on him. <laughs> that's great so you get your first one down and then it seems like you've had some success since then and then like you said this year i mean you started hunting january 1st i'm usually done hunting by january 1st so that just Mm -hmm. kind (laughs) of so you i think you know you talked about having your son being born you know uh, going into this season did you did you kind of have like loose goals kind of like yeah we'll just see what happens or were you kind of thinking well maybe Okay. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I, uh, going into season, you know, and my wife knows like I, there are very few things that like, as far as hobbies, I'm, I'm, I am blessed to be able to have a job that I get up every day and there's not a single day that I dread going to work unless it's the rut and I got to come in. Then I'm like, you know, (laughs) but, but I mean, really, as far as what I do, I love what I do. I love being able to, to craft something with my hand, to be able to provide someone with something that is going to last, that they can use. And um, I, I just I thoroughly enjoy building cabinets. I like being able to provide people with the functional part of their house. You know, that's what the, the part of the house that you use. Yeah. And I, um, I, you know, I, I don't have, as far as a hobby, I love what I do at work. 
I enjoy guns and whitetail. I don't really do any other hunting. My dad loves to turkey hunt. I've been with him some, but usually because my trade revolves around construction, you know, typically in the spring when you turkey hunt, that's when construction really starts picking up. So it's just never really worked out for me to really do anything other than deer hunting. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, she knows that whitetail is it for me, like as far as a hobby. So I say all that to say she knew that I would still want to go, but we obviously told her, you know, I mean, it's, it's my son. Of course that takes precedence and, uh, you know, helping her just doing whatever a good dad would need to do. It's what I want to do. You know, I'm a a believer first and foremost, I'm a husband second, I'm a father third. So, I mean, that's, that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the order that things need to be in my opinion. And, um, well, I didn't, uh, you know, I'm just, it's kind of like I wasn't planning on going January 1st. It was kind of a, eh, you know, well, if I, if I, if it works out, you know, I have a free Saturday or something, whatever, you know, cool. And it just worked out. So, and then after uh, January 1st, it's worked out to where my, my son, thankfully, he is sleeping better now. We had a, <laughs> my, uh, my little girl like spoiled us big time because on our, let's see, our fourth or fifth night home from the hospital, she started sleeping like six, seven hours straight. It's like after that, you know, that it's like that first night where she sleeps longer than two uh-huh. hours. You wake up like, Oh my God, what's wrong? <laughs> yeah. But she was great. And then it was, there's like going to be some uh, new parents on here. Listen to this that are going to hate you right now. Just so you're aware. Oh, you might probably, probably. <laughs> well, what I'm getting at is that we got payback with my son. Right. You know, if we had, gosh, those first two weeks were, uh, Oh gosh. First two weeks. We're like the first month. It was brutal. It was like, you know, every two hours, three hours. And, you know, but it wasn't, I mean, you, you feed him, change his diaper and he's good. He's back to sleep. But it's just that, you know, not getting that constant sleep, so to speak. But, um, now he's, he's doing good, thankfully. And we've got him in a routine with, uh, they both stay with the same babysitter. And we've just sort of gotten a good groove. So it's worked out to where I've been able to get in the woods a little bit more. So, I can, I think I can still count on two hands the number of times I've been. It may be just over, you know, I've been maybe about a dozen times or so now if I was keeping track. But um, as far as the, the success that I've had, I really feel like the reason that I've been able to take these two good, two good bucks is just because I've hunted less. It's one mm. of those things where I've not, I, it's, it's been a good for me to not really go because I've been able to, I feel like learn and see that I've got two, um, spy point link micro, the cellular cameras. And I feel like one of the biggest things that's helped is me being able to see and, you know, keep up with the, call it the, the inventory or the deer herd or what's coming through these two areas. Cause I shot them in two, in two different places. Um, but being able to see, kind of what's happening and what's going on, but I'm not having to, you know, go and blow deer out or spook, you know, my scent being left everywhere or whatever. And I feel like that's been one of the, probably one of the biggest helps. Yeah. For that. So January one, you go out and you get your, your first buck. Um, when did you shoot your second one? Uh, the, I want to maybe the 20th. So like right at three weeks later, Okay. So did you have a, a, like a few hunts in between there or how were you yeah. playing that? Okay. Yep. I think I, let's see, I went out, 
well, I think two or three times maybe between those two. Okay. And then I've I've hunted the most the last or last week whenever we had the the cold snap. Cause once I shot, or I think once I shot the second buck, we had some pretty solid weather for a little bit there, and then that's whenever I went um, some more. And I've been able to uh, I've I've got a younger brother that let's see he's nine years younger than me, and one of one of his really good friends, one of his best friends growing up, happens to live close to the property that I own and he's been helping me out there working, cleaning up out there. And, uh, he's new to bow hunting and I've been taking him out there a few times trying to help him, you know, just kind of just, you know, sort of show him the, you know, teach him what I can or, you know, be able to help another hunter coming up. Yeah. And, uh, that's kind of where I've been, where I've been spending most of my time in the woods now anyway. So. Gotcha. So, had you seen this buck on camera? Is that kind of what made you decide, like on the the twentieth or? I, actually, I, was yes. looking at your, I just looked at your picture. It says the twenty first on here. I don't know if that was it or not. But uh, were yes. you seeing this buck on on trail cam or? Uh, yes. Okay. So tell us yeah. about like what made you pull the trigger and get up in the stand that day. Yeah. Well, that was what what holiday? There's some holiday the, that was that Monday. That was on a Monday, I believe, and. It's a, it's a oh space. Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. And my my wife was off work. My wife works for the state of Alabama, and a uh, little uh, rabbit trail there. She works for, she's a, a vocational rehab counselor for the deaf. She's got her bachelor's in sign language interpreting and her master's in rehab counseling, and she helps those who are oh. deaf and hard of hearing find employment. So anyway, um, she uh, she happened to be home that day, and I left work that day at lunch and i went home and had lunch with w- the wife and the kids and was just spending time with them and i uh happened to be checking the trail camera and i noticed that this particular buck the second one he had been coming in um during shooting hours in the morning and then had been in right around like five o'clock four forty-five in the evening uh also so and I, at that particular time i hadn't just dead set made up my mind to even to even go and my little girl who's the oldest the two-year-old she happened to fall asleep and you know we've learned and for all the you know the new parents that that may be listening if you have an infant and once they get older do not let them not take a nap sweet jesus i don't know all right rabbit trail i don't know what it is about a kid that or well my little girl anyway is if she doesn't you know she averages about a two-hour nap during the day and for whatever reason if she doesn't get that nap why does she not sleep at night you'd think she should be more tired i don't know if it's just because she's restless Mm -hmm. or what but oh my gosh anyway i completely relate yes good 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 thoughts (laughs) yes wow anyway okay so yeah but anyway um she happened to fall asleep and um my little boy of course you know he's at the point now where you feed him and change him and then he's either just laying there cooing or he's sleeping so um my wife she actually she looked like she was about to doze off and i'm thinking Hey, I'm gonna go get in the woods. She's like, okay. So, <laughs> and it was just like that. I went and got in the stand, and I was, I, I got settled in at like three fifteen, three twenty. It just so happens that this stand is like, I can be there in like three minutes from my house. Like it's not far at all. So that was another reason. Like it was close, it's convenient, whatever. So, 
Um, got in the stand, 315-320, settled, and at like 405, the first deer I've seen, this guy comes walking out. And it was one of those things where it's, you know, you were hoping to see this deer, and maybe it was the anticipation also of like, well, you know, maybe this deer is shootable. Like, as soon as he walked out, my heart started pounding. I mean, just because he walked out and he was 15 yards away. Like I didn't see him coming through brush or anything. And I kind of would have expected him to come from more of another area. Like, I guess simply, I would have expected him to come from what would have been to my left. And he came out from my right. Well, he comes out and he takes three steps and he just freezes, you know, or if anybody has seen a reasonably mature buck and by mature, this, I, I would age this one at about four and a half is what yeah. I'm guessing. And uh, he come out and just stopped, and he's all he's doing is his ears are moving. He's sniffing. He's actually cleaving. Like, he's licking his nose. Like, he's smelling. And thankfully, the wind is hitting me dead in the face. So that is – I had that going for me. Well, this is – I watched him for probably 15 minutes. Oh. and. At one point, like, no, it's no joke for 15 minutes. And he was, he come up, and where I was at, I'm on the edge of a field. This particular year, um, just with, you know, rotating crops out, this field was, nothing was planted there. Um, it was just pretty much a hay field, grass. Well, he's up and looking out in the field. And I'm in a tree that's facing away. Like, my back is toward the field. And I'm hunting this pitch, pinch point in between two fields and there's a creek bottom there and we have just deer and hogs all i mean it's just a highway for them there well i um after watching him he finally walks to where okay if he looks away i've got a shot because one of the things i've learned also is a deer if if you can see their eye or if you can see the side of their head then they will bush you if you move I mean that's just with as wide of a as wide of a field of view as they have. Um, if you move and you think, well, they're not paying me attention, then you're probably wrong and you're probably going to get busted. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, he comes out and he's just sort of got his nose down to the ground. He's just sort of nosing around, head up every now and then. And at one point, he even you know it psychs you out when they look dead at me. He looked dead at me. And is like sniffing in the air. And at this point, I can remember me telling myself, Ethan, shut your mouth or he's going to hear your heartbeat. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> I mean, just beating like crazy. And because at this point, he's at, he's 13 yards from me. Like if oh, I wanted to, boy. if I wanted to bad enough with the, because he's sort of downhill also at this point, I feel like I could have spit on him. Uh-huh. And uh, he finally finally stuck his head down and then something like a twig or something snapped i don't know if maybe this was another deer that was going to be coming in or what but he finally turned you know his left side his left side is facing me he finally turned his head back around to the right well as soon as i see that he's moving i go to snatch my bow back well i get my bow is laying on my lap like what i found that works best for me is because of all this thick stuff that i hunt in it doesn't if i have my bow actually hanging on a hook or something for me to grab it is just way too much movement if there's a deer in front of me or a lot of times if i you know if i have to take that time to do that as slowly as i need to then the deer's already gone so the bow my, i keep my bow laying in my lap well as soon as he turns his head back around 
and he's like trying to look toward the the direction of the sound that he heard his head ends up coming and spins all the way back around to where i can see at this point his right eye very easily and he's frozen so i'm thinking oh is he seeing me is he seeing me <laughs> like i'm at this point like what do i do what do i do well finally as soon as he breaks and moves his head like he's going to bring his head back around and put his nose down to the ground i snatch my bow back and then at that point he turns and looks and i don't know if he was looking in my direction or looking or I know he was looking in my direction. I don't know if he was trying to look at me or what, but it was the fastest shot I've ever pulled off on a deer, period. And luckily, it was just from me shooting so much, it was just muscle memory. I didn't even, I don't even remember taking the time to be sure that I looked through my peep. I just know that my string touched my nose, my knuckle was behind my ear, and I put the pin right behind his front leg, and uh, I let it rip, and he mule kicked and ran maybe 35 40 yards and i pulled up my binoculars at this point and i could hear a crash and i saw a white belly and legs up across the creek oh man yeah so <laughs> it was it? <laughs> oh man i was oh my god you know it's one of those things where it's like you know finally all the adrenaline that builds up you've got you're like oh i can release it ah oh. so it was uh it, it was an incredible hunt that's for sure it was just being that close to him for that long, and I, that that hunt was almost like a. I was actually telling my wife about it. That was sort of the culmination of kind of everything that I've learned, or a lot of everything that I've learned over the last few years. That's me seeing like you know this is the I guess you'd say the I don't know the reward of everything I've learned. I don't know how to how I'd put yeah. it, but just everything sort of coming together from playing the wind right to just being still, to knowing when to pull back, when to not, and uh, just being able to be that close to, a, you know, a buck of this caliber, which is, for this area, pretty solid. Because down here, you know, we have a – we can shoot three bucks, and but one of them has to have at least four points on one side. So there's nothing stopping anybody from shooting two spikes and then shooting a two-and-a-half-year-old basket rack eight-point, which, in my opinion – you know, not that I assume anybody from, you know, the 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 DNR of Alabama would be listening, but like why do I don't see any issue with us only being able to shoot I mean, take away one of those bucks. I just think about like yeah. you know, don't get me wrong, we have some if you're willing to put in the work, you have got to really work at it, but there are some studs in Alabama. There's a guy, um I actually had this buck on camera. You can look him up in the Alabama Whitetail Records book. He shot a 170-inch stud that bordered up to some of our property last year. And I had the buck on camera and was trying to pattern it best I could. But there's really good deer here. But I feel like we could have such a higher caliber if we weren't allowed to just shoot so many bucks. Right. Yeah, so, I, you know, I wouldn't disagree with that. I, I have a couple questions. Is this? I'm looking at the picture. Is this a six-pointer that you shot? Yes, it is a six-pointer. It is a, one of the tallest six-pointers I have ever yes. seen. Like, he is just a, I mean, his G2 has to be, like, 12 inches. Like, he oh, is yes, long. Yeah, very cool. So, did you yes. did, did, did you get this deer mounted? I have to know. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually just doing a European mount. Okay, cool. That'll so, look yeah. awesome, too. Yeah. Uh, second question, as I look at this picture, what happened to his nose? All right, so down at the creek... 
where the, the creek bottom there. The creek is actually kind of the, the property line there. Well, the the property or the property on the other side that he ran onto with some family friends. Um, he whenever I shot him and he took off running. When, once I got down there and was walking to him, I could tell where there was a ton of blood right at the fence, and it looked like there was a struggle there. And the best that I can tell is he just ran just wide open into that barbed wire fence and it just ripped his nose. Oh yeah. Because I've I've actually I've boiled the head and because uh, I'm doing the I've done several of the European mounts myself. Well as I was boiling the head I noticed those bones right in the front of the nose. There's a uh, you know right up in the nasal cavity there's like two little almost like a toothpick looking bone that sort of bridge the gap between the the outermost nasal bone, whatever, not the technical. Anyway, those, you know, if you boil the water too hot, yes, they will fall out, but I hadn't boiled it very long at all, and those just fell out. So the best I could tell is he just broke his nose, ripped it all up with the at the fence yeah. whenever he ran into it. But Oh, man. Was, yeah, it just looks like he's got it like, whenever you look at the picture, you're thinking, is that Rudolph? What's going on? He's got a real. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it tore him up. Oh, so. man. Well, that is, I mean, two, I mean, a new, new year and you've got two deer. That's a pretty good start to the year there, uh, Ethan. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll take it. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I know, uh, you said you, all you hunt is deer, but uh, before we started, you mentioned something about, uh, having hogs in your area. Do you oh, hog hunt or had any yes. issues? Yeah. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, uh, well, I will be the first to say that hogs don't play nice and i have no desire to play with them i uh i um like it's the point where i always carry a sidearm of some sort like uh i've got a glock 19 that i keep a a stream light on the front of and a lot of times it's just my flashlight if i'm coming out of certain areas or going in and i'll um just to sort of give you an idea of how serious i take not wanting to be around hogs I've got one area that I, I hadn't hunted it in, well, I haven't hunted it in two years, but uh, if usually whenever I walk into this place, the wind is hitting me in the face, and if I can smell that there's been pigs there, and it's me walking in in the morning, without hesitation, I turn around and just go somewhere else. It's not worth it. If there's piglets, the then the sow will chase you, and I know from experience. I... um. Like I said, my father-in-law is a farmer. He had called me one night. This has been, gosh, probably five years ago or so now. And he had somebody that was planting some, uh, what was it? It may have been wheat or anyway, grass or whatever. And I, he said, hey, there's some hogs back behind the chicken houses. He's also a, he's a poultry farmer and a row cropper. So he said, there's hogs back behind the chicken houses. And he said, uh... The guy that's on the tractor, he said that he called me and said that they're not jumping, like they're not spooking um, by the tractor. And, you know, that's somewhat uncommon for a pig anyway. Well, he said, uh, see if you can go back there and shoot some of them. Okay, well, whatever. So hop on. And this was my first up close and personal encounter with a wild hog. And um, so I go back there and I, all right, to sort of give you a visual, the, the, uh, the, the layout of this field is like a giant L. So I got on the tractor at the top. 
what would be the top of the L, and then we work our way down, and we hang, you know, we come around the bottom or the corner, let's say if we're going to come to the, the right side or the bottom of the L, whatever. So we're working our way down there, and um, we see this black blob of hogs that are at the edge of the field, and at this point, we're probably about 150 yards or so from them. And I had, I, all that I grabbed coming out of the house was an AR that all that I had on it was some flip-up iron sights. I had an optic ordered for it, and it hadn't come in yet. And uh, so I was like, well, whatever, I've got these iron sights, and I've got 30 rounds, so there's, you know, whatever, bound to make something happen. So I've got a light on the front of the, the AR, and... We pull around, like I said, so we're 150-ish yards away. I open up the iron sights, and I want to say this was the first I had even shot the rifle. Um, so we pull up, and we just open the door to the tractor, and I'm sort of standing on the steps outside of it. And I shoot, and I see the dust fly up right in front of the pigs, but they don't scatter. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, I just shot at them, and they didn't run. Well... The guy that was in the that was driving the tractor said, "Well, reckon what they do if we got down and walked toward them." And that, folks, is where it got stupid. <laughs> so we got down, we you know start walking, and then I'm like, "Well, we'll get a little bit closer," and then I'm just gonna just unload on them. Well, we get to be about i'd we, we closed about half of the distance maybe a little bit more we're probably 60 or 70 yards from them and or we get close enough that to where the light that i have on the ar and then the flashlight that he's got i can see uh you know this is this is more pigs than what i was thinking well anyway i pull up and i just start shooting well i sh i pull off probably six or seven rounds pigs start squealing and then there's two that just the, the, the once I start shooting, they just decide to scatter like cockroaches. And the I don't they definitely weren't the oldest because they weren't the biggest, but two of the midsize, we'll just call them the gangbangers of this group. They decide <laughs> to come running toward us. I'm wide open. And if any of you have never seen a pig, a wild pig in person. There is absolutely nothing slow about them. So don't think that, you know, it's, oh, they're just a pig. They're fat, whatever. They may be fat, but they can run. Well, they come running toward us. And then the guy that is with me that is holding the brighter of the lights, all of a sudden his light disappears. I'm like, what? And all I hear him is I hear him as he's running back toward the tractor. Shoot, shoot. So at this point, the pigs are 20, 30 yards from me before I realize I can't outrun these things. I've got to shoot. So I pull up and I start shooting and I drop and roll one. And then the other one I made contact with because I was able to track blood, but it ran off in the, it ran off in the woods back toward the swamp. And then thankfully the other, I don't know how many it was, eight, 10 or whatever. Uh, they went, ran off in the woods, but, uh, it was one of those moments where, it was like as soon as, you know, once the dust had settled, it's like, I am never going to do anything like this again. <laughs> because I've seen the, like, if they have piglets, which there were piglets there, uh, aggressive is an understatement. They will charge you. They don't care. Oh, my goodness. And like my, um, 
my father-in-law's got a trap that has actually got a camera and then he can control it from an app on his phone to trap them. And actually just this past, let's see, or not this past weekend, but the one before he caught nine of them in the trap and two of the sows, large sows that were in there were charging at us through the pen when we came up close. Mm. So, I mean, they're just ridiculously aggressive, especially if there's, if they have piglets. I've heard um, that. Oh man, it was a uh, it was it was just simply it was terrifying because you like a pig will it doesn't matter what it is you can take a carcass from a deer or the gut pile or whatever and if you throw it in the field if there's pigs in the air they'll eat it they don't care they will eat that they'll eat a fawn they'll eat corn you put out they'll eat they'll root seed up out of a field I mean they are quite that, a nuisance yeah um yes to put it mildly yes yeah. so. So there's yeah. the time that you almost got taken out by a pig. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, yeah, yeah. So oh, that's wow. why now that's it's true. a. I don't um, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want anything to do with them. Or if I think that they're in the area, it can definitely sway where I decide to hunt. That's for sure. Especially if it's in the morning. You know, if it's in the night or an afternoon hunt, it's not as bad because obviously I can see them from a distance. And I can usually kind of tell the direction that I'm needing to walk out, especially if I'm just going out into like a hayfield or something. I can see back to where I need to go. It's not that big of a deal, but they are, uh, yeah, not friendly. (laughs) Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, Ethan, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun down there. I know that you your season's still going. When does uh, Alabama deer season end? February 10th. So that's a week from from yesterday, actually. So we're almost out. So you're still going at it, though. I heard you said something about still trying to get number three. Yep, I'm going to try. I've got a – there's – I've got – you know, with us, the rut here is so different from most other states. And to my knowledge, and I don't know, I could be wrong with this, but from what I've read, um, Alabama is the only state that if you – work your way southward if you start at the north part of the state and work your way down you can actually hunt the rut from the end of november to the beginning of february and the the reason for that is back in the i want to say it was the 30s 40s 50s and then into the early 60s there was the repopulation efforts of deer to this area because um like my my wife's grandmother for instance she said that she can remember whenever they found deer tracks in the field and somebody coming and taking the time to set up an old school camera to photograph the footprint because it was that rare to see a deer. And this was, I see she's about to be 90. And so this would have put her being in her teens or somewhere. So just in a matter of say 70 something years, the deer, I mean, just deer population is went up incredibly here, but Whenever those the deer were brought in from up north out west, they what they did is in some cases they would still go into the rut the same times those local herds would still rut the does would still go into heat if you will the same times as I guess you'd say their ancestors or their you know the same time that they did from the area that they came from and then over time it's just sort of trickled to where. Now you've got some, like in our part of the state here, the south part, we rut anywhere from the beginning of, or excuse me, the end of, the middle of January up to the beginning of February. And then we've seen, um, we've seen deer 
bucks actually running does during turkey season. It's like, oh you know, so if, if a doe is, you know, not bred the first time she comes into estrus, then 28 days later, and then again, uh, supposedly up to three times. And again, I'm not by, I'm by no means any sort of biologist for this stuff, but, um, yeah, even as far as up into March is whenever they're being bred. Cause I've got trail camera pictures of fawns with spots on them. The end of November, beginning of December. Man, that is interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. And that is, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's yeah. quite the appeal for people to go down there and be able to hunt that long. I mean, that is. That, oh, absolutely. That is absolutely. incredible. Oh. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely wild because you can, you know, you, the gestation period, I believe is like 190 days or so. So if, yeah, if you trace that back from beginning of December or so, or the end, middle of November, whenever you would actually see them dropping, I mean, there's well up on into spring that we still got does being bred down here. Mm, that's so, interesting for sure well ethan i want to say thanks so much for uh coming on i mean i i saw i'm not even sure how i i know i saw your pictures on uh instagram and i'm not sure how i even came across your your um, profile there but i saw where you'd gotten two bucks already this year and i thought man i gotta hear about how <laughs> and a, yeah. you know i mean that's pretty incredible to have that kind of season in 2020 already so uh, i just sure. want to say congrats on your bucks and thanks for coming awesome. on the show to to share all that man Awesome, man. I appreciate it. I mean, I've enjoyed it. I'm always up for talking anything hunting related. That's for sure. And there you have it from Ethan Brown. Uh, really enjoyed having him on and sounds like he's off to an exciting new year, not with just the deer, but with a newborn at home and, uh, just excited for that guy and I really enjoyed hearing his stories you know it's interesting he didn't start hunting until January 1st and uh, he didn't seem to worry about it he just got into the woods and and he went for it and uh, it's worked out for him I don't know how you're doing on your New Year's resolution Uh, be honest it's mid-February how you doing on that weight loss or that eating better or that new thing that you wanted to do Um, if you're like me you're doing great because I didn't make a New Year's resolution so I didn't have to break one Um, but interesting Interestingly enough, uh, toward the end of January, I did decide to try something new. Um, I, I've just realized I'm not a very goal-oriented person. I am not a very um, disciplined person. So I, I came up with this habit tracker. Actually, I didn't come up with it. It was on YouTube. Saw some YouTube journal uh, journaling exercise this guy does, and he writes out the habits that he wants to do, and every day he checks whether or not he did them or not. And so I made some goals for family, for uh, my marriage, for just spiritually speaking. I want to read uh, the Bible every day. I want to pray every day. I want to teach my kids about uh, something about God every day. And so I made those goals, threw in some exercise stuff, also reading stuff. And, you know, um, I just kind of track that just to see how I'm doing. I don't make it so much like if I don't do it, I beat myself up. But it's just something I keep in my mind, like how well did I do uh, today? Um, and then at the end of the week, I write like a little review of how the week went and just kind of how I feel and, you know, how I assess the week. And then at the end of the month, I do a reset where I kind of look at the goals and say, okay, I want to tweak that one a little bit or do something different. So just an idea for you, um, something that you might want to try. I uh, just think about Ethan. He started off on January 1, got this goal in his mind of going after these deer and uh, it worked out for him. And so the beauty of life, I think, is is sometimes we're always looking for a fresh start or um, looking for that moment where we can start over. And the cool thing about the Bible, uh, whenever it speaks to this, is that any day can be that day. Um, 
you know, whenever I look at Lamentations, which is kind of a weird book, but in, in chapter 3, verse 22, it talks about the steadfast love of the Lord never ceasing, His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What that means to me is that every day I wake up, um, it's a mercy of God. He allows me to get up and have another day to live. And I can sit there and whine about what's going on in my life. I can sit there and make excuses. I can uh, come up with all reasons why not to move forward. Um, but whenever I look at his mercies, every day they're new. It makes me want to take advantage of that. <laughs> um, you just never know. Uh, I mean, you take the Kobe Bryant thing and the, the plane crash. That really hit people pretty hard because we just don't expect people to go that young, but we all know that that happens. We all know that um, life is just short. And so my question for you today is, are you making the most of it? Um, is today a day when you want to start chasing that dream or chasing that goal or pursuing what it is that you know that you've been putting off that you should pursue? Um, I hope that that's encouraging to you in some way. Hope there's some lesson there for you. And if not, um, that's okay. Thanks for listening anyway. <laughs> I enjoy this uh, podcast. I enjoy hearing these stories. I'm excited for uh, the next couple of guests that I have lined up. I think that you guys will be too. Uh, once again, if you want to leave a review, that's helpful. If you don't, I still uh, think that you're awesome. Hope that you have a great week. And remember to shed the light.